Good evening, everyone. My friends, on this, this day, I remember um, Father Guestino. Father Guestino is the pastor of the Basilica of St. Nicholas of Tolentino in Tolentino, Italy. And uh, it is by his um, friendship with us and his care for us and the Augustinian monks there that we were able to secure uh, the first-class relic, which the parish has never had. So we have a first-class relic now of our patron, St. Nicholas of Tolentino. And I remember uh, Benedetta Ries, she's actually in Italy with her, with her mom. Uh, she's Italian, and she was the advocate for our parish uh, to that basilica, translating English into Italian, communicating uh, my desire to have this first-class relic and what is it I need to do. And so we remember them and their kindness to extend the, the relic to us. Uh, because it is not short of a, a miracle to have it by the means that we received it directly from them, which is almost unheard of. And my friends, um, today's gospel speaks about uh, very human things for us, and it's about uh, fraternity and community and how we should conduct ourselves with uh, delicate matters within the community, such as when a community member is misbehaving, that's what it's about. And very strictly speaking, this gospel is talking about the community, meaning there was a problem in Matthew's community. He didn't necessarily con uh, was referring to the community 500 miles away. He's talking about the communities living in, and they're experiencing challenges. So he's saying, here's how you're going to deal with it. Uh, so very strictly speaking, um, this is what's happening. And um, to be sure, uh, we are to act within our community. And uh, um, our first reading is the implication of this. Uh, but uh, how we go about doing fraternal correction, how we go about resolving issues, uh, is to be done with charity and humbleness. Uh, when we point out someone else's faults, I know people who can be very aggressive and would sacrifice uh, a person's privacy and good name all for the sake of truth and to make their point. Being brutally frank is at times glorified uh, in this world. However, from our gospel today, I think it's clear and uncompromising, even in the worst of times, when someone may have fallen into uh, problems with morality and spiritual life, or whatever it may be, correction should be first done privately with them. This avoids unnecessary publicizing of a private matter, of a, something maybe scandalous, and it helps to alleviate, if you will, causing unnecessary hurt and scandal to the rest of the community or to that person. We would do much better helping another to convert, to change their way, and to perhaps have reconciliation without causing them hurt and scandal. To humiliate another person because of their wrongdoing is a terrible thing. It is clear that we need to assist our community and family members and friends to do better and to do what is right. The first reading from the book of Ezekiel tells of God's disappointment with the shepherds of that time, the shepherds of Israel. Uh, for not shepherding, uh, they were not acting as true pastors um, for their lost and strayed ones. 
and those shepherds are only concerned with their own situations. They would, um, from what we read in history, they would hurl accusations, and then they would distance themselves from those that were weak or what they considered to be sinful in their community. So in truth, they were doing nothing. And the Lord had a stern warning. If I tell the wicked that they are wicked, they shall surely die. And if you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked person from his ways, he shall die from his guilt, from his actions. But God said, I will hold you responsible. <laughs> Ouch. So what is the most acceptable way to handle these challenges? First, go to the person privately and with love and charity point out the behavior uh, that's challenging or that's bad. And if that does not work, bring others not to prove the person's guilt, but to assist them in the conversion and reconciliation. So you don't bring the others because they side with you and they're going to side against the other one. That's not the point of what the scriptures are telling us. Bring the others to help with the reconciliation. And then it says if that fails, refer it to the church, meaning the community and its leaders, so that they may help the lost one. And it said if that fails, well, then uh, there's a dilemma. <laughs> and the scripture says to treat that person as you would a Gentile or tax collector. Now, at the time of this writing, in Jesus' time, uh, right after his resurrection, the Jewish audience, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, that would mean to excommunicate the person. It means to leave them to their own devices, leave them alone, uh, but they're no, almost, almost not welcome any longer. Remember, Jesus dealt with this. Remember, the, the, that's how they treated tax collectors and sinners. Out with you, away from you, not around me. So... Uh, is this possibly the exact way to do this? Well, uh, later on in the gospel, um, <laughs> the gospel calls Jesus a friend <laughs> to tax collectors. So, um, meaning he did not shun them. Uh, he didn't give up on them. So I think there has to be a balancing here of what's going on. And Jesus reconciled many a sinner with his father by his persistence. He was loving and humble, but he was persistent, and he never wavered from the truth. His, his ability to persuade was great, and he led many to come to faith and repentance for their sins and to be reconciled with his Father. God desires not, none of his creation to be lost, Matthew 18, 14. So uh, I, I suppose we are to hate sin but we are to love the sinner and do our best to guide them. We're in some, this scripture, as you've heard me talk about this, this scripture is about judgment. I know people are like, I said don't judge. And it's not exactly what that means. It means don't condemn. But this is about judging. And uh, when, he, when he says when two or you gather together, uh, I am in your midst, strictly speaking, with this gospel. He's saying when, when the community comes together, because read the gospel, when the community comes together, I am there in their midst. When 
they make their pronouncement. When people don't see, I'm like, I need you to see what this is about, really. Strictly speaking, the way this is written, Jesus is saying, when my church comes and they make a judgment, I am with them on this judgment. That's why he said, what they bind on earth will be bound on in heaven. What they loose, you have to take the whole thing into context. And when Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my midst, he's not just talking about the building. <laughs> he's not talking about brick. He's talking about wherever my people have gathered and call upon me, I also will be there in their midst. Just to hang out with them? No, to guide them, to be with them, to help them and assist them, to help the community come together. So this evening, uh, we're doing the old-fashioned church. We're, we come together and we're having an old-fashioned party out in the parking lot like they did 300 years ago when the church was the center of the city. And so we're doing that this evening. And I would say now when we leave, Deacon will process and do the grace before meals. And I'm like, now be patient with the food handlers because <laughs> there's like 300 of you <laughs> all coming at once at them. So be patient. Um, let us have this time together and uh, uh, to, be, uh, to enjoy each other's company. And uh, uh, my friends, remember... Um, to open up the gospel bigger, uh, it could mean when your family, so when mom and dad gather together and they make a decision about the rest of the family, let it be binding. So I can open it up more, but I've always wanted you to understand the scriptures, how they are written and how they are applied. And that's why context is so important. Do you understand what was math, something was going on in Matthew's community? Not in John's community, in Matthew's community, in Matthew's church. And he was arguing that when the leaders of the church come together and they make that pronouncement on someone, it will be binding upon them and the community. So uh, we need to pray for all of our hierarchy because they're in charge of our church. <laughs> and uh, pray that they follow the Holy Spirit. When they make their pronouncements, they are true. Uh, the Holy Spirit will always correct. Uh, I can make mistakes. Everyone can make mistakes. The Pope can make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Uh, and the Holy Spirit can push everyone back in the alignment and get them. That's the other thing when Jesus says, I will be there. So even if they mess up, I will be there and I will get it fixed for them. The other thing, my friends, uh, uh, God is one. You hear uh, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but God is one, if you will. But he's not alone. This is the other reason why Matthew writes the way he does. Um, two or three, community. God is community. He's communion. He's one being, but with three persons. But it's important to understand the other aspects of the scriptures too. Matthew's getting at something about community. The, there's something in the community. They're trying to fix it, but also the way he writes and stuff, he's letting us know we were designed to be in community. God is family whose Father, Son, Spirit, and then He created everything. We are to be the same way. We're not supposed to be solitary. It doesn't work. It doesn't really work. Even the monks who take a vow of silence, they're still in community. They just don't talk to each other. They just walk past each other, not saying anything. <laughs> they get their meal, eat their meal, and then they go back to their cells. So, Because I know people are like, what about the monks? I'm like, yes, there are monks that have a call, but even they are community. 
they can just look yonder and say, there's the other cell of my brother. His light is out. He must have went to bed. You know, I mean, so there's still. Um, so all around looking at the scriptures for today. My friends, our patron, Nicola of Tolentino, passed away in 1305, canonized in 1446, with 300 miracles attributed to his name. God does everything, but he used his saint. 300 miracles. Of was, oddly enough, something to do with children. 300 children who were sick on death's bed and through his intercession were healed. And so we can certainly call on St. Nicholas for our children, right? And St. Nicholas is also the patron saint of the souls in purgatory, so we, we call upon him for that. My friends, uh, at his statue, we have a statue in the narthex, is the bread of Tolentino. So I blessed it yesterday. You are welcome to take a baggie or two, and uh, you probably already know, but for those who do not know the story, he was on his deathbed, and a vision of Mary. Mary came and told him, get out of bed, go over to the table. And on the table was crusty old bread and water. So you dip it in the water and he ate it. And he was healed from that moment on. And then as he, because he was a priest, as he went to the homes of people to give them the sacrament of anointing while they were dying, he always took bread with him and dipped it in the water, said his prayers, and then gave it to them and let whatever was going to happen, happen. So... And let us uh, um, always remember each other in our prayers. Let's remember we are responsible, although limited, we are responsible in this community to each other. That's what the scriptures are telling us. We are. So when I hear, it's none of my business. It's none of my business. What they do is none of my business. Oh, it is. It is. There's a limited thing that we must do. Call them to holiness. We don't smack them around, nor do we condemn them. But we try to bring them into that holiness because isn't that what everyone wants? We don't act in revenge on somebody who's done us wrong. Ideally, if someone's wronged you, what you want them to do is to correct their ways to never do it again. With Christ, there's forgiveness and reconciliation. With people, there may not be reconciliation, but there must always be forgiveness. Sometimes you just can't reconcile with people, but you can love them, like I do. I love you, I forgive you, now go on your way, bye-bye. Go and have a good life. <laughs> I may not reconcile completely with them, but I've fulfilled the commandments. And I always remember uh, St. Nicholas, uh, on, he hold, he's holding scripture, if you see his image, and he says... Uh, I have kept my father's precepts. I have loved him. I hope to do the same. My friends, let us pray for each other and let us be a community. Let us stay united in all things. Amen.